and welcome to The Jared White Show. I am, of course, your host, Jared White, and I invite you to join me in a curated celebration of the art form that is the web. So this is episode 18, recorded November 15, 2018, and uh, it's been a while. It's been a while since the last episode. Uh, didn't intend for the show to have such a long break here. Uh, basically, what happened is uh, October 30th was an Apple event extravaganza, if you will, and I intended to do a show right after that, and that didn't work out schedule-wise, uh, plus all the products were actually coming out to the Apple stores the next week. Uh, so I figured, oh, okay, well, I'll just stick with my usual two-week recording schedule and do a show uh, once I've tried out all the products. Uh, and then basically what happened there is uh, I, I recorded a video for YouTube and figured uh, I'd kill two birds with one stone by basically taking the audio of the video and making it a podcast. Um, but the thing is, audio for YouTube sounds so different than a podcast uh, because of all the jump cuts and background music and different things. Um, it just would have been really strange as a podcast and I'd be talking about things that you know, are, are more useful to see visually anyway. So then I thought, okay, well, I'll record a separate podcast and talk about the video. Uh, but then it took so much time to actually edit the video and get it up online that the video didn't even come out until last Saturday. So at that point, I'm just like, ah, what the heck? I'm just going to do an episode of the podcast as usual on a Thursday so here we are on November 15th. Uh, so I feel bad that I have completely uh, fallen <laughs> fallen behind on the recording schedule here, but I'll, I'll try to make up for it in future weeks coming ahead. So uh, stay tuned. And if you are a new listener of the podcast, uh, please visit jaredwhite.com slash podcast, and you can subscribe there and your client of choice. And now without further ado, on with the show. I'd like to go over a couple things I've actually posted uh, in my new microblogging stint at jaredwhite.com. Yes, I've started up blogging every day and uh, looking forward to continuing to do that. Uh, I think it's, it's very hard to blog infrequently. I think either you should just give up and not have a blog, <laughs> or if you have a blog, you should post pretty much every day because just developing that habit of, you know, even if it's just a paragraph, which is what I'm doing. That's why I call it micro blogging. I'm just basically posting, uh, you know, two or three tweets worth of content once a day. Uh, and that feels really great. I follow a lot of other daily bloggers like that. Uh, Seth Godin is probably the, uh, the, the best known in that camp. At any rate, uh, so speaking of microblogging, some of the things I've posted on my site recently, I wanted to go over with you in a little bit more in depth here in the podcast. Uh, the first one being uh, the midterm elections here in the United States. Uh, they came and they went. And I don't really want to talk about, you know, the politics per se of the election. Uh, what I really want to talk about is the optics, the, the punditry surrounding the election, um, because I think it's become clear now uh, as as votes have been tallied and, you know, that's actually still ongoing in some cases. Um, the, the, the initial reporting, like on election night, was really misleading. It was really not clear what was actually going on. And people were basically making up opinions before all the facts were known. Uh, so, you know, originally the Democrats were hoping for a blue wave. They were hoping to capture the House and maybe even the Senate. 
and they want to, you know, really, really have a, a good turnout that shows that uh, a, a significant percentage of the U.S. population is not on board with the Trump agenda. Um, and at first, what appeared to be happening was uh, nothing like that. Uh, the Democrats started to pick up a few seats in the House, but uh, not as many as they were hoping um, in the eastern states. And uh, the Republicans were a much stronger showing than anyone was expecting at that time. But instead of everyone saying, you know, hold on a minute, we can't make any snap judgments here. There's plenty of races out in the West. Those polls are still open. You know, we need to, to be cautious before making any kind of statement. Uh, you, you didn't hear a lot of that. Instead, everyone's just, you know, spouting off talking points like, oh, the blue wave hasn't materialized and this is not a good uh, showing for the Democrats and the Republicans are much stronger than anyone imagined. And all, all these opinions were coming out. And, you know, I even heard like I was listening to a podcast, a talk show with John Gruber, and he was talking with Merlin Mann about the election and talking about he's a, a progressive voter. So so he was looking for that blue wave. And, you know, when he started hearing the, the, the live news analysis of what was going on, you know, he was like freaking out. Um, and this is a real problem because what ended up happening was, yes, there was basically a blue wave and Democrats did pick up a bunch of seats in the House uh, and while they didn't capture the Senate, um, they've actually come a lot closer than was originally um, thought in, in those early election results. At any rate, the problem here is that real-time news analysis in this country has just gotten really, really bad and misleading. And the, the issue there, of course, is that uh, radio and television is always real-time. So it's one thing to you know wait a few days and then read an opinion piece in a newspaper or whatever, and come to a conclusion about something. Um, but if you have the radio on, if you have the TV on, and you're following this sort of live analysis of what's happening right at the moment, uh, you're not getting a clear picture at all of what's happening. Uh, and in some respects, you're just getting people spouting off the talking points that they want to put out there, you know, regardless of what the facts are. This sort of TV panel where people come on and some of them are Republicans and some of them are Democrats. They know what they want to say. They know what the agenda is that they want to put out there. They know what the audience is going to want to hear or they know what they want the audience to react to. You know, if you get people mad and riled up, that's good for views. That's good for, uh, you know, traffic. If you make people feel sort of calm and safe and happy, they might not actually be that into the news anymore. <laughs> that's the that's the dark side of reporting, you know, report sensational, crazy stuff. And it kind of gets people hooked on your what you're peddling. Anyway, uh, I don't want to be so negative here because I hate to talk about things without uh, having some kind of solution to recommend. So, you know, in this case, I don't really know what the solution is other than just boycott live news, <laughs> uh, which is kind of what I do. I mean, almost everything I, I get in terms of politics is, uh, is either through articles on the web or, um, you know, people just kind of discussing things on podcasts where they might be talking about things that happened a while ago. And the podcast itself is from a while ago because it's, you know, it gets recorded and then published later. So it's not really live. I think live news analysis and live reporting is almost always suspect. Like you really need to kind of wait to, to do proper reporting and proper research and you know, get the facts straight, get the numbers right. Um, 
So, you know, this sort of 24-hour news cycle we have and anecdotal things getting put out there on Twitter and and these TV panels where everyone's just blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't recommend it. I just don't recommend it. So uh, I guess, you know, if there's any kind of solution here, if there's any kind of recommendation, it's stay away from live news. Find trusted reporters and people who write thoughtfully, carefully, respectfully, take the time to get their facts right, take the time to talk to people, get what's happening on the ground and, and you know, package that in a way that's understandable and, and can be backed up with real facts and stick to that because you'll, you'll get a more complete picture, you'll get a more balanced picture. Um, and it, you'll stay away from this sort of sensationalist, ah, the sky is falling sort of approach to news. Something else I talked about on my blog is I finally got around to watching the documentary on Netflix called Wild Wild Country. Uh, so here's the crazy thing. Uh, I've lived in Oregon now for just a little over a year uh, near the Portland area. And uh, I didn't even realize that basically this whole cult thing that happened that uh, the Netflix documentary is all about, uh, it's less than three hours drive away. <laughs> so it feels really close. Uh, so that was interesting. I, I mean, I knew just from, from hearsay that, that the, the show was about uh, something that happened in Oregon, but I didn't know where. So when I actually looked up where this tiny little town of Antelope is, uh, where everything went down uh, back in the 80s, I was like, oh, wow, that's not very far from where I live at all. <laughs> so, uh, so it made it just all the more real and immediate to me. Um, and I'll just say a couple things here because I think I'll, I'll write a longer essay at some point about what I thought about the documentary and what it means to me. Um, but the gist of it is, uh, I actually was in somewhat of a religious cult uh, a number of years back. Um, I, I won't call it a cult per se, because it's really more of just of a, a religious movement that has cult-like tendencies. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like I was living on a commune somewhere or, you know, wearing weird clothes or whatever. I wasn't wearing a tinfoil hat. Um, but, I, but, you know, I was enough in... That a kind of environment where there's a lot of, of uh, sort of uh, people worship because they're gurus and they have a direct line to the Almighty or the Divine or whatever. Uh, you know, I know what that's like. I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to, to feel part of that sort of community where you think that you have something that nobody else has, some kind of esoteric knowledge or some kind of you know, hotline to the spiritual realm. And if only people knew what you know, the world would just be this new, amazing utopia. And, you know, I, I know what that feels like. Um, and also, uh, in addition to that, um, when my wife was young, uh, when she was a teenager, she absolutely was part of a cult. She lived on a commune. She was in a cult. Um, her family had moved in and become part of this thing. Um, and you know, she was young enough that she didn't really know everything that was going on. She was a little bit sheltered from some of the insanity, which is good. Um, and in some respects she thought it was cool cause she liked hanging out with a bunch of kids and feeling like she's part of a tight knit community. Um, but you know, things that started to happen there and in many respects, things that happened after she left, after her family left that cult, things she found out about later, you know, it was kind of horrifying. <laughs> um, so she, so she has this experience as well. So, you know, I think for a lot of people watching Wild Wild Country, 
um, it's probably this experience where they're like, you know, oh my gosh, it's so crazy and it, it's, you know, entertaining and it's fascinating. Um, but, you know, then you go back to your normal life and that's that. Um, but for me watching this, uh, it really hit home. You know, I, I really, I could imagine living in this situation, being amongst these people. I could imagine what it's like to, to kind of be under this, this group delusion of, you know, what it is you're doing. Um, you know, I can imagine all this and I can kind of place myself in, in this context because in, in a way I was there, you know, I, I've been in that kind of religious hysteria type environment. So anyway, Wild Wild Country is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It was absolutely riveting. Uh, it's in six parts and I binge watched all of it. <laughs> so uh, I highly recommend that. Moving right along here, uh, so there's an article about something that we've all known, but it's yet another study that seems to indicate this link between depression and social media use. Uh, so I just want to say a little bit about that because as someone who's suffered from depression and anxiety uh, in the past, um, it's, it's not too much of a problem anymore, thankfully. But uh, in large part, that's because of mindfulness meditation techniques that have really helped me. Generally speaking, on a daily basis, I can use social media up to a point, and uh, it, I don't feel like it's causing me a big problem mentally. Um, but I know it can be a problem. I absolutely know that. I've experienced that. Uh, I think um, the, the hard part about finding uh, you know, correlation or causation and determining the difference between the two, um, is, you know, it, it can really, it can really be the subtle thing. So, you know, perhaps if you're someone who's naturally prone to depression, using social media will just simply exacerbate that. Um, so, you know, is the social media causing the depression or is the depression basically coming out more to the forefront because of your use of social media? Uh, you know, that's where the question is. But I think there's no doubt at this point that, you know, generally speaking, if you're someone that's on social media all the time and more or less addicted to it, uh, you're going to be much more susceptible to problems with depression and anxiety uh, compared to uh, if you aren't. So um, what's something you can do? So something you can do is not what some people think is the answer here, which is just leave social media behind cold turkey. I think that's uh, pretty unreasonable to expect a lot of people will do that. Um, and in some cases, you know, there are benefits to social media. Like I, I like going on Reddit and seeing wacky pictures and animations of cats, you know, doing weird things and <laughs> all the sort of uh, funny Internet culture stuff. Like I really enjoy that. That actually, you know, for the most part will bring a smile to my face rather than be upsetting. Um, so, you know, not all social media is created equal. You really have to decide what is it you want? What is it you're looking for? How is it helping you in your life? Uh, one of the reasons I don't really use Facebook at all these days uh, is simply because I don't feel like the Facebook newsfeed format is healthy. Uh, it, it's not necessarily that I think the idea of something like Facebook is bad, but I think the way Facebook has implemented that idea is poor. Like Facebook just hasn't invented anything new or interesting regarding the newsfeed in years. There's no innovation there. It's a it's an aging product at this point. I don't like Facebook the company. 
Um, I begrudgingly use Instagram because of that. I, I think Instagram's actually a really nice product. Um, but, you know, the fact that Facebook's the parent company makes it a little bit uh, regarding using that. I think you just have to decide what you're on there for. So, you know, speaking of Instagram, that that's also a place where, um, you know, the sort of uh, fear of missing out and social comparisons can can cause the issues of depression for people. Um, but I don't subscribe to those sorts of channels, generally speaking. You know, I subscribe to uh, mainly travel photography type accounts. And, you know, there it, it's fun because I, I like to see places around, uh, you know, the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I recently s- subscribed to the uh, the hashtag Windy City. So I get some cool photos of Chicago. I really want to go to Chicago someday soon. And uh, so I get to have a, a, a taste of that. Probably if I was on Instagram, you know, looking at a bunch of, you know, dudes working out with buff bodies. And then I looked at my own body and I'm like, oh, I have a pudgy dad bod, <laughs> you know, then that would be depressing. But, you know, that's not what I'm doing. I'm choosing to follow accounts. I'm choosing to, to follow hashtags uh, that make me happy. So in that sense, Instagram, for the most part, makes me happy. Same with Twitter. You know, I'm at the point now where I just ruthlessly unfollow anyone that's annoying me. So, you know, if I see a tweet from somebody and I just think it's it's annoying or dumb or ridiculous, I'll just unfollow them. I don't feel guilty about that. You know, life's too short to just read a bunch of stuff that, you know, you, you don't like. I'm not necessarily saying you have to agree with everything. I think it's healthy to to have, you know, a little bit of of uh, insight into things that where you might not agree with it, but it's it's useful to to think about those ideas. Um, but if it's just you know if it's just flat out annoying you, you know, get rid of it. You're not you're not obligated to follow anybody. Um, and that even goes for Facebook. You know, if you have friends on Facebook and they're always posting things you don't like, uh, you can just mute them. They don't know that you're not friends with them anymore, but <laughs> you just want to see what they post. You have to curate your social media experience. That's that's the bottom line here. Uh, and I think, you know, the more people uh, figure out how to do that and social media companies need to do a way better job of making that easier. Um, but at any rate, you know, as you figure out how to how to curate, you know, what you're following, what you're looking at, uh, why you're looking at that, um, and then tools on the platform level, like Apple's new screen time features in iOS 12, um, that can be helpful as well. You know, if you want, you can limit your usage, so you can say, I really only want to be able to use social media uh, apps for say, you know, 30 minutes a day. And then and then lock me out. You know, I don't I don't want to be uh, my own worst enemy here. I, I need some help to to get my my usage down here. So I think tools like that can be really helpful. Once again, I think there's a link between social media and depression. Um, but I think that link is is only really there if you're not being proactive, if you're being proactive about your usage, if you're curating your experience, um, then I think so- social media is, you know, at worst neutral, and at best is even enriching to your life. One last thing before we wrap up this episode. Um, This is a sponsored episode by me. (laughs) So I'm the sponsor. uh, And I just want to let you know that Posture is a product I've been working on for a while now. Uh, It's a a news feed reader. So you can subscribe to websites, basically, and, you know, get all the latest posts that they publish there. Um, But it does a lot of things in a little bit of a different way than other news readers out there. You know, if you've played around with RSS feeds in the past and kind of got burned 
out with the way those feeds got presented, and it was just like information overload and a bunch of other problems. Uh, I think you may really like Posture. It makes reading news uh, through website feeds feel much more like the, the best that social media has to offer in terms of the user experience, in terms of the design. Uh, so here's what you can do. Go to posture.news. That's the address, posture.news, and sign up for the private beta. I'll get a user account set up for you right away, and you can try it out. It's totally free right now. You don't have to pay a dime. Just check it out. Let me know. Give me your feedback, how it's working out for you. Um, and at some point soon, um, it will come out of beta, and there will be a, a paid plan. But uh, the free plan you can still use to subscribe to a few sites and, and get your usage out of that. So, uh, so you have nothing to lose. Just go to posture.news. Hey, it rhymes. And, uh, and check that out if you are all at all interested in, in keeping up with uh, websites, blogs, etc. Um, you know, reading, reading those articles as a, as a daily routine. Um, I've been using Posture, obviously, because I've made it um, for a number of months now. Um, and it's really become my go-to tool for, for keeping up with news and blogs, because uh, it's just a lot better than Twitter or Facebook for sort of um, you know, really getting exactly the content you want. So, so for example, some Apple-related blogs I subscribe to, like Six Colors and Mac Stories and Daring Fireball, you know, sites like that. You know, with Posture, I pretty much know exactly when they post something new. Like, it's just really easy to to see, like, oh yeah, what's new on Daring Fireball? What's new on Six Colors? What's new at Mac Stories? Uh, it's just really clear, you know, how to how to get to that content. Um, you get nice little excerpts, nice little image thumbnails, and then you click and you're just reading the article on the site. It really couldn't be easier. So go to posture.news and check that out. And I really appreciate your interest. And that's it for today's show, The Jared White Show. Thanks for listening. Uh, as always, you can go to jaredwhite.com slash podcast to check out previous episodes. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, and uh, I'll talk to you again in two weeks. Have a good one. Bye.